electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Stocks do look to build on yesterday's turnaround as retail sales, copper, lumber finally show some signs of cooling off. We're watching Disney earnings, of course, Airbnb, DoorDash, and some software upgrades, too. Our roadmap begins with rally on, masks off. Wall Street looking to claw back the week's losses as the CDC loosens these mask recommendations. Plus, shares of Disney are lower ahead of the open of trading. The company did miss on streaming subscribers. Parks revenue still, of course, taking a hit from the COVID virus. And the crypto roller coaster rolls on. Dogecoin surging after Tesla CEO Elon Musk say he strongly believes in crypto and is working with Doge developers to improve efficiency. Carl. Guys, uh, let's start with um, either, I guess, take your pick, Jim. There's, there's so much to unpack on Disney. But as we mentioned, uh, the retail sales miss, lumber down four days, copper the worst week since early April. Is this the pause that refreshes? Yes. I think that the commodities are peaking. Did a piece on it last night. Iron ore collapsed last night. Chinese cutting back. Uh, copper, I think, is, is just a typical blow off top. Lumber manipulated heavily, but now can go down perhaps uh, really maybe $600 in a, in a heartbeat. Uh, I need to see the, the uh, grains come down. A lot of people feel that they are peaking. I'm getting that there's a deer piece today which says that they're not. I'm going to go against that and say that the, the grains are peaking. Now, they're not going to, what matters is, uh, David, how much they go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a blow off and it goes down big, then you know who's going to look like a brilliant man? Jay Powell. You bet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, psychology figures prominently in inflation. And, and when I do talk to executives who are on the front line in terms of making things that require, let's call it metals, plastics and freight and labor, they're all leading to higher prices. right? No, now. they are. I'm not going to disagree with that. And we still need the semi semiconductors right. And steel keeps going up and the freight. Freight is just a built in inflationary problem. But, David, the complexes because of ETFs mm-hmm. tend to trade together. So even though they shouldn't. They go down because ETFs are so powerful. Do you think it's right? Do I think that it's right that they all trade together? Do you think that this whole ETFization is correct? That we see all these different uh, tranches of, uh, of ETFs. And then, of course, we have Woodstock. Now, Woodstock's up today. I think the movement in the arc yesterday was very interesting. Wasn't because it? it was down, even though the broader market was up and the Nasdaq. You was know, up. there's a break Woodstock. Some of the I, I do know that. In fact, I had a couple of conversations about that this morning. Now, I think to be fair, when it comes to the arc funds, it's more uh, being used to a certain extent as a hedge. Yes. I'm buying Microsoft. I'm going to short arc because nothing is correlating. No. Is from what I understand properly. Uh, right. It's pl- plus, edges. it's ten, so, more than 10 times sales versus yeah. uh, 30. <laughs> so we show our Woodstock video again, because why yeah. wouldn't you if you yeah. can? Um, 
But, you know, Jim, and there are those who are buying puts on ARKK as well. Right. Um, but are they really targeting the underlying stocks of the ETF to try to actually get redemption so that you no, can get No, because there really is no redemption. Yeah, 64 million, I think it was, flowed out right. yesterday, but there have been flow in. So that, that doesn't seem to be the game that's going to work here. But ARKK is fascinating right now. And, and again, it was down yesterday well, despite... I mean, Tesla was not up, so I guess that's one of the largest holdings. She's been selling stuff she says she's happy to sell. Yeah, because they're cash equivalents. It's one of my favorites. Uh, Carl, one of the things that that you can watch, the the crawl at the bottom, I want to tell our viewers, you can see that uh, people want the uh, ARC funds to go up this morning. You can see the Woodstocks all being bid up, basically saying, listen, come after us. Because it's become, including AMC, by the way, these these incredible uh, death matches between the... uh, the Woodstockies and the people who are hedge funds. And everything, Carl, has become hedge funds, hedge funds versus the people. And I say this because I'm known as being some sort of hedge fund troll. I mean, hello. I've been at this thing for what, well, 16 years. Did I ever take a hedge fund side? Uh, Jim, yeah. Three months ago, uh, the average component in ARC was up 25 for the year. Uh, now the average component's down 19 for the year. So it's been uh, quite a decline. Um, we do have a couple of, not that they're necessarily ARC components, but a couple of upgrades of uh, high-growth software, at least. Unity, Opie goes to outperform at 103. And this Goldman upgrade of Snow uh, to buy, uh, Jim. So they're definitely seeing some value as those valuations have come uh, in. I- I thought the Frank Slootman, they didn't really uh, cite Frank, but the uh, Goldman Snowflake was very cogent because it is the cloud data analytics stock. And it's really the only one. And they're crushing everybody who's on premises. So, so I think that that's a good stock here. Uh, it's come down quite a bit. Uh, I know that it's a, an elusive stock because a lot of people bought it. David, a lot of people bought Snowflake saying uh, when you asked them why they were buying it. Because it was going it was, up. What are you, a mind reader? Yes, I am. Right there with you. I mean, I have been sitting here listening to you for a really long time. Aren't you tired of it? I can. Never. Never. Thank you. But I can. Okay, so someone asked me yesterday, how much do you really hate David (laughs) Faber? I said, well, no, I don't, I don't hate it. No, I just want to know, to, to Carl, I want to know the degree with you hate him. I said, why? Because I sit far apart from him. And now, because they're social dis David, look out. Uh-oh. The CDC no says that I can sit right now. next to you. But, Carl, I think that this whole, uh, today is a day where we take a break from the revulsion of the high multiple stocks. And all you got to do is watch them on, or you watch Airbnb. And by the way, Carl, Coinbase, it was a good quarter. Yes, it was good. The naysayers yep. pound I, sand. I know you talked to, yep, you talked to them last night. I don't know. Do we have the, the, the SOT ready? This is the CFO uh, talking about overall volatility in crypto and arguing that it's uh, here to stay. Do you, want to, you guys want to listen to it now? Love to. Um, well, I guess we'll, we'll get to it in a minute, Jim. But well, okay. uh, they did say um, crypto is volatile. And you can see uh, that we react to a, a tweet. Um, it'll react to a headlines. And as they said to investors, it's a long term investment. Well, what matters to me is, is that a lot of our viewers are trying to figure out which one of these they should be in. And that's why I like Coinbase. There's a scarcity value. Coinbase, the way I measure these is that a lot of these companies pay eight, nine interest. 
they pay six, meaning that they are sta- more stable and don't have to reach. Think of the great SNL crisis. Uh, the other thing I like about them is I think that because of their cloud technology and they have a substantial moat, David, you're going to love this prediction. Yes. I think people are going to partner with them, not destroy them. Hmm. I think that you're going to get a PayPal-like situation where Dan Shulman was able to convince everyone, listen, you should part with us. One day, here's a bold, bold prediction, Carl. One day, either Brian Moynihan or Jamie Dimon are going to do a deal with Coinbase. Wow, that is a bold prediction. It's very bold. Yeah. What do you think of that, Carl? Bold. Um, guys, as, as far as the mask recommendations go and, and the Disney quarter, Jim, I wonder how much you think this is tied into uh, the future prospects for the company. I noticed Needham today uh, keeps a hold because Laura Martin is worried that Theme parks, cruises, even cinema attendance may not get back to pre-COVID levels this year. Yeah, they're going to be. I thought that was as wrong as you could possibly be. I mean, they even said that the bookings <laughs> are incredible. Like, can't you like? They're a bunch of liars. I mean, come on. I thought. It, I think Disney. Suddenly, all we care about with Disney, all we care about is Disney Plus, and that's a very big mistake because this is a very good company. David, you are giving me that. That smile, which just says, you know, Jim, you should go read Moffat Nathanson or something. I read Chris, I, Christine McCarthy, yes. who, by the way, is the best CFO in America. She is the CFO of Disney. Made me feel that if you don't buy the stock, you're a fool. Really? Yes. Okay. And why is that? Because everything else is finally working. So does Disney Plus really still determine the situation? Well, I mean, everything. It- at the same time, you've got revenues that are down, what, 13, 14 percent year over year. And the stock that's up dramatically, uh, you can see right there, well, see, David, not year to date, David, but one stocks year. anticipate things. They do. And so a lot of that move up, of course, was based on the incredible growth of what you're looking at right there. Well, now you've Disney got Plus. other you've got and other so engines. You do. You, do. Other, you, you do. have other you've pistons. Fi- you've finally got movie theaters open. And in fact, people don't even have to wear a mask Look when at they go AMC. to the movies if they're vaccinated. And uh, they're going to take most of their movies back to the movie theater. I mean, you're going to be able to also watch them on Disney Plus for a premium, significant premium. And the parks are going to be fully open. And you're not even going to have to wear a mask, which Chapek on the call, of course, was very happy about. Remember, I imagine talking about. If you remember the previous call, mask in 95 degrees. Remember, he said previous call might not be till 2022. Not that he's necessarily a member of the CDC, but as far as I'm concerned, I could take the directorship of the CDC. So I get it. That's all good. But Jim, I mean, for better or worse, investors are very much focused on direct to consumer. It is the future. Until when? It's the present. Until when? Until UFC? There was a big UFC match. I mean, come on, David. I don't know. Listen, they did. They they reaffirmed their. 2024 guidance on subscription trends, right? What are they saying? 230 to 260 million subscribers by the end of fiscal 2020. So there you go. I mean, it's what an incredible. Or do you think it's Netflix? From zero to that in whatever it's going to be. What happened, Carl? But I felt, Carl, what happened yesterday was that people said, you know what? Netflix didn't do the number. Disney didn't do the number. People are going outside. They're not watching movies anymore. Or they're turning off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the that's negative. Some people have gotten to the end of Netflix. I mean, they've watched everything. They've watched it all. Really? No. Not How really. about Amazon? Have you watched all of Bosch? It's very good. I've not ever watched Bosch in my life. No. Well, you ought to just wake up and smell the coffee. Bosch. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that. No, I've never watched yeah. Bosch. But, uh, but Carl, I think that the idea that people have stopped watching movies and stopped playing video games. No, that's just not true. It's fun to be at home watching something. If you've got a big screen TV, you've made the investment. I've been watching a lot of those Disney Plus things. Yeah. We've watched. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, WandaVision, Mandalorian, they're great. You wait 30 days, what is it, 45 days? 
What, they, for the movie? Yeah, well, they have some. I mean, they talked about how doing, it stays yeah. in the movie. It does look like it's, yeah, it looks like 45 is, is going to be the magic number, at least uh, for the summer. Although, Jungle Cruise, Jim, uh, is going to be uh, on streaming the day of the release, I guess. Do you know anything about Jungle Cruise? But that is sort Jungle of the magic in, in the Disney model is the, is the optionality between movie attendance and streaming. I think of Jungle Cruise, I think of one thing. I think of someone who was in the Jungle Cruise. The real one, Carl. It was a, a long time ago. long time ago, I was a skipper on Jungle Cruise. Oh, but my right. experience, as I told The Rock, <laughs> has nothing to do with the movie. Well, next door, yo-ho, yo-ho, the pirate things like, for me. Wait, like uh, The Rock is going to uh, do them, Carl, uh, uh, whatever uh, uh, he's going to have to do on that Jungle Cruise. <laughs> Carl, you're the luckiest Thank man on the face was... of the earth. What a job. Oh, man. What I'm lucky about is it was pre-internet, and there are very few <laughs> photographs, which I have. So you're and you're not, I'm, I'm not sharing. I'm not sharing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a break, guys. Uh, we'll get this Friday opening bell going in about uh, 15 minutes. Don't go anywhere. Every day. Thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Busy morning of EcoData. Let's get to Santelli with industrial production. Morning, Rick. Good morning. Yes, industrial production. And by the way, it's one of the oldest numbers we have, industrial production. It goes back to 1919. And the number we're expecting is up nine-tenths for April. It is up seven-tenths. And the reason I brought that up is because the all-time low for over 100 years was exactly a year ago, April of 2020 at minus 12.68. This number... Well, this number is at least positive. It's the third positive number. February was at minus 2.62. Now, with regard to utilization rates, we're expecting the number right around 75. Uh, pretty close, a near miss, 74.9, 74.9. So we continue to make progress, uh, but we did have a stronger number in January. So we want to look at some of these manufacturing numbers with a grain of salt to some extent because there might not be able to run at capacity because of shortages and various supply chain issues. All right, let's quickly get to the charts. If you look at what happened this morning on export prices, it explains why all the year-over-year data points are a little bit hard to interpret. Here's a two-year chart. You see how weak these numbers were one year ago? That's why the year-over-year number
numbers are so large. And if you look at a one week of 10s and 30s on the same chart, both yields are up at 163. We're now up five on the day on 10s, even though we're down three on the week. And if you look at a year to date, this is such an interesting chart because the high water mark was right at the end of March at 174 yield close, the highest post COVID. But look how the consolidation since then, mostly sideways with a little bit of spike this week. So many are going to be watching, of course, at one and three quarters level. And finally, we'll finish it up with Europe. One of the other reasons interest rates have been awfully firm. Europe this week, well, they were up nine base points, closed at minus 12, a two year high yield. Carl, Jim and David. Back to you, and have a good weekend. All right. Uh, Rick, we'll see you later. Uh, Rick Santelli, thank you. In the meantime, keep your eye on Dash today. Uh, surging in the pre-market. Looks to open up between 7 and 9%. Revenue is ahead. Uh, food delivery service raises their annual guide for order value. Jim, I think I see at least one upgrade over at Wells as they go to buy 200. Awesome conference call. Great appearance yes, uh, yesterday by Tony Hsu and Mad Money. Uh, I think that they, uh, people think that there's really nothing proprietary, just the opposite. I'm beginning to think that they are ahead, ahead of the game. They are signing up merchants everywhere. They're offering a three-tier deal that is rather remarkable in terms of what you, whether you want to go with them. They can give you a deal for a smaller restaurant like the ones I have that, frankly, no longer hurts your P&L. I had said earlier that they could hurt your P&L, but this new program they, un- they unveiled, Carl, it's positive. It's positive for a lot of small businesses. They're doing a lot more than just restaurants. I really think that Tony Hsu, David, Tony Hsu is a guy whose mom ran a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, okay? I know. I know. It's a good backstory. But you've complained. I mean, you say they're not profitable new plan. for you. New plan. They offer a new plan. They're offering a new, new plan. plan. Okay. And that new plan works. I've done the math for it. So it's something, it for example, at your restaurant. Yes. You consider we've using become a client. actually make money. Yeah, we become a client. As opposed they, to losing money. Right, because they're linked to the point of sale system that we're using. It's not DoorDash. But uh, they gave you prices, and I don't have any special deal. They gave you the new price list that allows you to make decent money on, on delivery. And that's t- Tony Hsu realizing that outfits like mine were going to go out of business if we used them. And I, I thought it was very positive. Carl, this man is a forward-thinking no, man. As he told you last night, Jim, about some of those new categories, here's what he said. The effects of the pandemic really were a lot more muted than we expected and what we were forecasting toward the end of last year. And that's why, you know, some of the growth you saw in the quarter, you know, we really had to make sure that we had enough drivers on the road to actually sustain that growth. But we saw growth really across the board, driven firstly by record engagement from our consumers, but also by our growth into new categories. Kind of reminds me of what Domino's also told you, Jim, a couple of weeks ago, and that is that those old habits, uh, uh, diners and grocery store shoppers, they're just not going back to some of those pre-COVID habits. No, they're not. That is absolutely true. The biggest problem that DoorDash has is having enough dashers. Uh, They need more dashers because... Uh, restaurants, everybody, I think, wants to, I mean, all sorts of different companies that just partnered with Rite Aid, uh, really needs dashers because people don't want to go out as much as we thought. They want to go out, but not as much as we thought. They've rediscovered home, and there's a lot of things at home, including Disney Plus, David, that makes it so you want to stay at home. Disney Plus. I'm going out. Every opportunity. Oh, well, just great. I'm going out. You're finally going out. Let's yeah. go to Burlington. Let's go to t- <laughs> Burlington. Got to go to Burlington. We got to. Yeah. Bur- 
Burlington. I think Kohl's, TJ Maxx, mm. Costco. We've got a lot oh, to do yeah. with David. My uh, Burlington that's in so Brooklyn. Exciting. Carl, the lines are almost out the door for T-shirts that they're basically giving away. Mm. That's great to hear. <laughs> uh, guys, when we come back, we'll get to some of the names we've not yet gotten to, including Airbnb and Tesla. Don't go away. Futures are green on this Friday. on the horizon for financial markets at pgim it's a question that over 1400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals specialized across asset classes but united in collaboration our teams provide global and local expertise our investments shape tomorrow today pursue your tomorrow with pgim a leading global asset manager All right, here we are. End of the week, about uh, getting ready uh, seven minutes from now to start with trading. But let's get to a mad dash. Plug power. You love to you love to get involved in this thing. It's I love hydrogen. I think hydrogen's real. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the big operation in South Korea where they're they're going to subsidize it. It'll be there next week, and uh, the United States I think will subsidize it. But more importantly, they completed the restatement of the previously issued financial statements and files 2020 annual report SEC. Okay, not approved yet. All right. But I think it will be. The important thing here, David, is that they a lot of people feel this company is no longer, um, let's say, investable Mm -hmm. because they did equity offerings. They did sales. And then we had this happen. But my investigation, this proves that the KPMG changed its mind right after they right after they opined, saying that they that they agreed with how things were accounted for. Uh, on some of these contracts that they have. And then they took it back two days later and made KPMG is very powerful. Obviously, your auditor is very powerful. And uh, they made them. They crushed them. Right. They crushed them. So there's there's no cash. See, I always look at is there no cash cash issue. Right. It was. a. Well, that to me is always that you account for things. Not necessarily. But the SEC, I don't know how quickly they're going to bless it. But there was no there was no cash out, which is the way I look at it. And people are excited about it. I think they should be excited down from the highs. The stock is still up over 500 percent over the last year. Perfect. And by the way, I don't think it's a Woodstock. Right. No, I don't believe so. Right. I don't remember. Well, you have to stick her. That's like how you, you know, cancer on the side of a cigarette thing right now. Right. Until tomorrow. And, you know, when she has a big day today, believe me, the money will flow right back in Monday. Remember, David, these are claymation, claymation death matches. They are. Uh, AMC, GameStop, Woodstock. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. No, how right about- back to you. All right. We got an opening bell. Also, don't forget. We have an exclusive with ExxonMobil's chairman and CEO, Darren Woods. We do not tech check, not Wapner, not Squawk. We have... We do. Uh-oh. He's coming in. <laughs> we got an opening bell coming up next. <laughs> States now need to interpret the guidance from CDC. They're going to implement new measures. And then businesses need to interpret their state regulations, their state mandates. I suspect a lot of businesses, a lot of retail locations will probably keep their employees in masks for a period of time longer. I suspect some stores, some um, locations may continue to require masks to enter. But I think we're really at the period right now where over the next two weeks, these are going to be quickly washed away. I think all these ordinances will be quickly um, relaxed across the country. And as we get into June, masks will no longer
longer be required and prevalence levels will be very low and the risk to the average individual will be low as well. Dr. Gottlieb earlier this morning on Squawk talking about, Jim, enforcing these new mask guidelines. His general view is that, yeah, you're going to have some people not wear a mask who were not vaccinated in the first place. But he thinks in the long term they're going to see more value in getting vaxxed than Absolutely. not. Absolutely. And I'm hoping, as my uh, great friend Jeffrey Sonnenfeld says, that we got to reward those who comply. And, David, we have to punish those who don't. How do we do that? By, not, by, by making them wear masks? Yes. Although, how are you going to know? Well, an unvaccinated person doesn't I, wear well, a mask. I, look, I think, what... I, I think that there should be vaccine passports, but I'm also, yeah. I, have, I have a hard line on this because I want people to get vaccinated. Of course. And I want this economy wide open and business that being done. That continues to be a key question. And you get different reads on it from corporate America in terms of how, what, how far they can go in, in getting mandating vaccinations for their employees. Anything that makes this economy hum, more jobs, I, I think it's a win. And vaccination doesn't. Magna. Here's the opening bell, guys, um, at the New York Stock Exchange. Jim, it does appear like we're sort of inching that direction. I noticed uh, Delta Airlines this morning. CNN reports that new hires will be required to have been vaccinated. I think the cast of Hamilton said the same thing yesterday. So, I mean, baby steps, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're in a, a country where privacy is incredibly important. People always say to me, HIPAA, you can't say this stuff because we have HIPAA. I, I'm not saying that anybody should be uh, denied uh, admission to places, but I think that the your reward, Carl, for getting vaccinated should be no mask. That's all I'm saying. That should be your, your reward. Right. And that's, a, you know, David, that's a very compelling reason why I don't want well, to wear maybe it. Like, one reason why the JPEG CDC says, moved to this, because yeah. it may encourage people who are not vaccinated to do so. Exactly. It's, it's a reward, as you say, for for getting a vaccine. You get to have do things that you otherwise might right. not be able to do. David, you wear um, a mask when you're outside in New York City. I do not. No, I do not. There's no either. chance that you're going to get the virus from passing right. by anybody. Frankly, there really never was. But no, certainly not now. Uh, many people still do, though, Jim. Many people still do. It's interesting. I, I, These I behaviors that people have taken on over a course of a year, sometimes they can be hard to shed. So right. we'll see. Guys, I want to get to a story that we haven't hit yet, which is, of course, uh, uh, one that I've been following, the battle for uh, uh, Kansas City Southern, uh, the large railroad, of course, that it was, was in a deal to be acquired by Canadian Pacific, but is now entering a deal to be acquired by Canadian National. And that is the News, of course, that we can share with you this morning, uh, a revised proposal from Canadian National, even beyond what they had already bid, is enough to for the board of uh, of uh, KSU to say, yep, this is superior. And so uh, Canadian Pacific, you are now on the clock. You have five business days during this so-called match period to come up with something that essentially does that uh, or else we will sign up the deal with Canadian National. We're talking next Thursday. Um, And in their new deal or in this deal that is superior and likely to be signed up, I'll get to that in a moment, uh, they do top up the ratio to make sure it actually equals the 325 that they originally said. But remember, most of this is cash, $200 a share in cash. They're also going to pay the breakup fee 
that uh, KSU would owe to CP $700 million, and they also will institute a billion-dollar break fee, reverse break fee, if, in fact, they don't get voting trust approval. Remember, I think it was a week ago when I talked a lot about the voting trust approval and the fact that uh, Canadian Pacific got it, and, the, and the, the decision by the STB would seem to have indicated, based on the, the specific things that we're looking at, that CN also will get the voting trust. They haven't yet. But it clearly is a sign that KSU is willing to sign this deal up, that they believe they will. Obviously, Canadian National believes they will as well. So what is Canadian Pacific going to do over these next five days? Will they choose to try to match? Well, they need a shareholder vote. Their, their uh, deal obviously comprises a great deal more stock. Uh, is there a way to shore that up, to change the composition, to bring in a partner? Sure, all of that is possible, although it does not appear likely, at least a uh, given the conversations I've had. That is not to prejudge the situation. Remember, they're just starting to talk with the board this morning. Uh, they'll have can continue those conversations uh, uh, next week. But, you know, Jim, if you are Canadian Pacific and you're Keith Creel, you've really been taking shots at the ability of Canadian nationals to get this voting trust. That's the key here, because that's the thing that protects shareholders. Um, and they may just keep doing that. Why not just not bother with the match period, but just wait and see? If you're confident they won't get the voting trust, then you're in a great position yes. because then uh, KSU will not be able to move forward with their deal to be acquired by CN. If they do get the voting trust, then you get your $700 million, uh, $700 million and you can move on and fight another day. Well, that's pretty, pretty good shape. Possibly. But, but well, Canadian Pacific really wanted this deal. Well, they should. This really is, this is this the deal. premier railroad that is going to be for sale for the next century. Well, that's the thing. How many more deals could there possibly be? Although CP would say, well, if you don't let us buy them, then we're going to probably need to sell ourselves. I mean, there is that question. And will that deal be allowed? Really? Um, Yeah. That's like a potash. You remember remember that? Yeah. Um, But this is a big moment here. And again, we will uh, we'll monitor unlikely they choose to match. They need that shareholder vote of their own, which is not easy. They can't really get there economically, Carl. But we'll keep a close eye on this, obviously, as Jim says, one of the key properties in rails. And it is for sale. And we're not likely to see another one like this for uh, some time. Wow. Uh, huge implications for, for supply chains, guys, and, and the transports, obviously. As I'm looking at some of the sectors here, everything's green, Jim, uh, led by energy and information technology. Uh, the chip shortage uh, has a couple of bullet points this morning. One is uh, this Alex Partners survey that says it's going to cost automakers $100 billion in revenue for the year. But also Taiwan Semi, Reuters says that they are weighing adding tens of billions of dollars to their U.S. plan, which they haven't uh, announced yet, clearly. Well- both that that's terrific. You really want that. Uh, the I don't buy that uh, that hundreds of billions. I, I think we're actually far, much far, further along in solving that chip shortage. The problem with the automakers is the commodity problem, the raising of steel, the raising of aluminum, the raising of plastic. That's what's going to cost like a Ford couple billion. What have you heard at all in uh, specific to Taiwan Semi about this drought in Taiwan I, and the impact that it may have on chip production? Just the usual dire forecast, that's all I've heard. Right. I mean, water is important. Yes. And there's less of it around to be used, I guess, because of the drought. Better to do it here. But, of course, this is a a longer-term problem. Right. There are a lot of companies that can make these chips. These are not difficult chips to make. Carl, I think the chip shortage is going to be solved within, I'd say, maybe four or five months. 
but the commodities going oh. up, the steel, steel's not reversing itself. But the chip shortage now, that, that, that's man-made. The problem with steels is that we don't have, you know, we stopped making it other than Nucor and Letter X and uh, Cleveland Cliffs. That's it. We used to be the steel kings, yeah. but the Bethlehem steel plant is like it's an RH. RH, David, is a store that was for Restoration Hardware. Right? How did? Yeah. What's that? How'd you know that? I Satellite? Every so often I get lucky. Wait, what is a great <laughs> furniture store for 50? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's right. Form of a question, please. I'm the one. That's the correct response. Um, and I'm the one who gives the clues, okay? Not you. <laughs> what? Do you play for the Packers? I hear you're, you're, you don't like your yeah, Packers, Jeff. he's looking at the West Coast, right? <laughs> Guys, we'll take a break and save some room for Darren Woods of ExxonMobil on the other side. You don't want to go anywhere. ExxonMobil's investor meeting is May 26. The company facing increasing activist pressure. Of course, Engine One, the activists in question, with support from pension funds seeking four board seats. Joining us now is a CNBC, in a CNBC exclusive is Darren Woods, the chairman and CEO of ExxonMobil. Darren, it's great to have you back. Uh, and I do want to start off on, you know, what's less than two weeks away now, that shareholder vote on, on your board nominees, because this morning we got a report from ISS the uh, influential proxy advisory firms, um, and they're in, they're in support of three of the of four dissidents. Uh, let me read this to you and, and get your response, if I can. Uh, they say uh, in their conclusion that additional board changes needed to provide shareholders with sufficient confidence in the sustainability of Exxon's business, an immediate concern, and one that should arguably take precedence in the order of operations over an assessment of the general sustainability of the industry. Uh, give me your response to what we've heard this morning from ISS. Well, good morning, David. It's good to be with you. And obviously, we disagree with that recommend, recommendation. If you look at a board, we've got one of the strongest boards in corporate America, one that we have been refreshing uh, fairly regularly since I came in uh, in 2017. We've brought on two, six new board members. That's over half the board. We've got board members that have extensive experience running global, complex businesses, capital-intensive businesses, businesses that are grounded in science and technology, a lot of experience in managing companies, large companies through significant transitions. We've got shareholder perspective, industry perspective, a lot of capital allocation perspective. So we feel very strongly that we have the board in place to help manage this company, not only drive success in today's environment, but position the company for longer-term success as the industry transitions. I think we're seeing that, actually, with the results of the first quarter as we manage through the pandemic period. And we see the results of the work that we did last year and the work that we've been engaged in since 2017 in reshaping the business, investing in high-return projects, driving uh, um, simplicity in our business, uh, gaining synergies, 
and reducing costs. And all those are coming together today. We're seeing those in our first quarter results and quietly, quite frankly, feel very good about the future that, that lies ahead of us. Yeah. And you, we've had a bit of that conversation, of course, when you joined us uh, not that uh, long ago. Uh, and I want to talk more about that. But on this specific fight, because that's kind of what it is. I mean, when they say ExxonMobil, to your point, or at least about the experience of the board, has for years filled its board with former CEOs without any energy experience, which does seem to be at least behind some of this ISS recommendation. How do you respond to that? I think the challenge in this space is understanding the technology that's going to be required uh, to drive the, the industry forward and to support society's ambition to transi- transition the energy system to a less carbon intensive uh, energy <clears throat> system. So there's, a, I think, a lot of work in terms of thinking about the, the company, the advantages the company has, the strengths we have, and how we apply those to successfully transition the company as society moves to a lower carbon future. And frankly, the board that we have today has a good understanding of that, understands the complexity associated with moving a business like ourselves through that transition. And as I said, if you look at the plans that we've laid out, the technology that we've been investing in to, to, to address the sectors in society that are hard to decarbonize, we've got a very good plan, a very good technology pipeline. Uh, to address not only the challenges today, but the challenges that we see coming forward in the future. Well, you know, let's get to that. I mean, you know, the last time you joined us, of course, we did spend a decent amount of time talking about carbon capture. I had that conversation as well with your board member, Jeffrey Ubbin, not long ago as well. But, you know, specific, Darren, to some of the criticisms still, um, uh, for example, um, Engine One says, even by your own limited standards, you've actually gone backwards when it comes to upstream emission intensity. They say ExxonMobil has gone backwards, aims to do worse in 2025 than 2010. Upstream emission intensity has worsened over the last decade, increasing 26%. Um, Put that in perspective for people uh, so that we can understand at least your perspective on that statistic. Well, we've been very supportive of the efforts uh, globally and, and within the industry to reduce uh, our carbon intensity and carbon emissions. If you look at the progress the company's made since the Paris Agreement has come out, which we supported at the time it came out and supported it, has been very vocal in our support since then, we've reduced emissions through uh, 2020 from 2016 by 11%. We've got plans in place today that drive emissions down even further and, frankly, put us on the path consistent with the Paris ambitions and the less than two uh, degrees C uh, scenarios. And so I think we've done a lot of work to reduce emissions. More importantly, if you look at what's going to be required for society to achieve the Paris ambitions, there are a number of sectors in the economy critical to the economy and critical to people's uh, lifestyles that are going to be very hard to decarbonize that today don't have solutions. We have been working for decades on technologies and the technologies required to address those hard to decarbonize sectors to help society achieve that lower carbon uh, vision. And so I would tell you that that work that we have been doing is uh, starting to pay off. You know that we've recently announced a very large uh, opportunity in Houston that can make a significant contribution to the Biden administration's recent announcements of reducing, significantly reducing CO2 emissions, make a significant contribution to Houston reaching its net zero by 2050 emissions target. So I would tell you we've been doing the work within our own operations to reduce emissions and doing the work required by society to help them reduce their emissions. All right, uh, Darren, I actually want to talk about energy for a sec. 
Sure, Jim. Switch Good things up. Good morning. Uh, Permian, I don't understand it. Uh, you got you have $64 price of oil. I think you guys generally have been cutting back on your drilling plans. To me, I got a feeling you could make a fortune here, Darren. It's six bucks, 60 bucks. Come on. Let's bring it on. We've made very good progress in what we've been doing in the Permian. And actually, we are at a fairly steady state with what we're doing in the Permian. Last year, as you know, Jim, with the pandemic, the drop in prices and revenue, we had to pull back across the board on a number of our investments. But we maintained a level of spend and investment within the Permian uh, to make sure that we're continuing to progress the technology advance, advances that we feel like we can achieve in that to lower the cost, become more productive. We're seeing the results of that. In fact, I shared that in our first quarter call. Great success at improving the Permian production. And we're, our plans today grow our production in the Permian. You know that one of our priorities is rebuilding the balance sheet, which we leaned on pretty heavily last year. And so right now, we've got a good pace of production in the Permian, making good progress on that operation. And as we continue down that path and generate more cash like we did in the first quarter, we'll use it to pay down the debt. Make sure the company's in a very good position to uh, face whatever fu- whatever the future holds and whatever the commodity cycle does to us. Yeah, uh, we had a similar conversation yesterday with uh, Pioneer uh, Scott, Scott Sheffield. Yeah, yeah. Scott Sheffield. Mm-hmm. Darren, back to carbon capture, because it is such an important component, at least of what things people perhaps want to hear, certainly those who may not be ExxonMobil shareholders as yet. Um, and the criticism that you've received from these uh, from Engine One. I, again, I'd love you to respond. You know, when they say you've trumpeted carbon capture, but your actual carbon capture has changed little, and your projects to reduce scope three emissions are incredibly costly and prone to failure and heavily dependent upon government subsidies uh, and therefore unlikely to enable you to uh, avoid transforming your business model. Uh, even the most advanced carbon capture unlikely to enable you to avoid transforming your business model over the long term. Again, your response. That is not. He is not choosing not to respond. Right. That's like the, we, it's uh, not the empty chair. But, you know, it's not we, the fifth. Of, you know. we, we lost the connection. That's a great question. Um, because, you know, it's a hundred. We're going to try and get it, it back. It's like uh, a, but you Lewis. hear that it's a hundred billion dollar project. Right. Right. That's a lot of money. Right. Right. I mean, even for this administration throwing around a trillion here, a trillion there, a hundred billion is a lot of money. It is an awful lot. Um, are we going to be able to reestablish contact with Mr. Woods? We're trying to do that. David, meanwhile, you know, some of the people, I would discard them as anti-energy. That The people on who are the nominees. Yeah, anti-energy. You know, carbon that, but given they had already added two members to the board, as we know, Mike Angelakis and Jeff Ubbin, right. as a result of some of the actions undertaken by D.E. Shaw, there this hadn't gotten as much attention, but this ISS move this morning could perhaps this would put more tip attention it. on it. David, it would let's tip it a, so that the people would be, ant- they would be against carbon. Let's this take, is Exxon. Let's take a quick break, see if we can reestablish connection with Darren Woods. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. We've reestablished contact with uh, Darren Woods, although via telephone. Darren, we look forward to the day when you will join us in person. We won't have to deal with any potential issues. But certainly wanted I look forward to, to, I look forward to that as well, David. Yeah, certainly wanted to finish up. So I'd asked, of course, again, about this criticism in terms of carbon capture and your real efforts there. And, you know, basically whether or not even what they uh, what your critics would say, even the most advanced carbon capture, highly unlikely to enable you to uh, avoid transforming your business model over the long term. How do you respond? 
Yeah, I, I would say, David, you know, that's one of the unfortunate things with our discussions with Engine One and their refusal to um, sign an NDA and allow us to spend some time taking them through our plans, our strategies, and some of the technologies that we're working on. Frankly, uh, any uh, credible in independent body will tell you that carbon capture and storage is a critical element uh, for the world to achieve the Paris uh, ambitions, uh, the IEA, the UN's IPCC, the Intergovernment Panel on Climate Change, all recognize the importance of carbon capture and what that's going to play with respect to reducing emissions in society. As a company, we have decades of experience operating and investing in carbon capture. We know that technology very well. We launched a venture three years ago to look at one, commercializing new uh, carbon capture technologies that we're developing, but two, to look for opportunities around the world where we can use existing technology to reduce carbon capture and storage. And that's behind the uh, proposal that we uh, have begun discussing with the administration in Houston. I would tell you the cost of that project is we can reduce significant amount of CO2 on the order of 100 million tons per annum by 2040. We can protect jobs and in industries that are currently uh, making products and helping support people's li livelihoods and modern life. And we can create new jobs, build infrastructure, and do that at a cost that's anywhere from a half to a quarter of what the government is currently spending on carbon uh, reduction. So this is an attractive opportunity set, and it's a very important technology, and one that we have a lot of experience in. Yeah, and, and this conversation we're going to continue to have in the short time I have left. You're, you're saying basically Engine One, you, you would have them come in and they weren't willing to do so in terms of signing non-disclosure agreements? Absolutely. We offered them the same opportunity that we offered D.E. Shaw, and you see the outcome of that. D.E. Shaw wow. came in. We spent time talking to him about the plan. I think they're very supportive of the direction and the basis on which the board and management have developed those plans going forward. Offered the same opportunity with engine number one. They were not interested in engaging. They were instead focused on us exiting the business that we're currently in, uh, undermining the plans that we have and the strength of those plans, and frankly, putting uh, the company's future and the dividend uh, in jeopardy. And finally, uh, Darren, because we have you, and of course it's been the big story this week, real quickly, but give me your take on the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack, how you think about it, and you know, whether or not it concerns you in some way for the future. Well, you know, cybersecurity as a, a topic in itself is a real uh, important one and one that the industry is very focused on and uh, as a company we've been very focused on. Frankly, it requires the right kind of uh, architecture and architecture configuration. It requires the, the right kind of software systems, the right protocol to manage that architecture and the software. And, and obviously uh, the people and the right um, behavior around the people using those systems. And so it's a constant challenge, one that we have worked as a company uh, fairly um, aggressively and it's a, and continue to evolve the work that we're doing there. I would tell you, I think the industry as a whole is very focused on this topic and recognizes the threat that it represents. And uh, frankly, they're, they're, the industry association, the American Petroleum Insti Institute, has a uh, a standard that we've put in place to try to help uh, companies in the industry manage cybersecurity. They're actually in the process of updating that standard, and I think uh, we'll learn more from this as uh, the uh, particulars of this incident come out and, and, and improve those standards. Darren, always appreciate it. Uh, sorry for the uh, technological glitch there, but happy we could conclude the interview and look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you. Nice talking to you, David and, and Jim. Thank you. Darren Woods, Chairman and CEO. Jim, of we packed the hour.
I can't believe it's yeah, over. What's going to come up on that news that they didn't wouldn't take the do the. Okay, so we have got on Matt tonight. I've got Constellation Brands unveiling their first minority investment. I cannot wait that. And then uh, five nine, one of the few that has held up. Boy, there are so many stocks that are down big in technology from their highs, Carl. And have a great weekend, Jim. You too. We'll see you at six. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Meet Janice. Unfortunately, her thing is sneeze attacks every time spring returns. I literally sneezed 40 times in a row once. Luckily for Janice, at the Walmart pharmacy, she can get over-the-counter allergy relief for things like sneezing, runny nose, and watery eyes, fast with online pickup or delivery. No more suffering? That's nothing to sneeze at. (laughs) I see what you did there. Help survive allergy season with fast online pickup or delivery from Walmart. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart.